of the uh, the rest of the discussion will be centered around this particular comment. Some of the mistakes, some mistakes are worse than others. Some mistakes are worse than others, not because of what we did, but because of what we didn't do. All right. I'll say that again. Some mistakes that include sins as well. Some mistakes or some sins are worse than others, not because of what we did, but because of what we didn't do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the hadith of Qudsi, uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ana aghna shuraka anishirk. Ana aghna shuraka anishirk. I am the one that is in most, that in that is least in need of a partner. I am one that is least in need of a partner. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ahad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ahad, al-samad, lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakun lahu kufu wan ahad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. He's al-wahid. He's one. He's al-ahad. He's unique. He doesn't need a partner. He doesn't need an assistant. He doesn't need a son. He doesn't need, you know, a daughter. He doesn't need children. He doesn't need anybody to sustain him. He doesn't need anybody to provide for him. مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَلَا أُرِيدُ Allah said that he does not want any provision from us, nor does he need uh, for us to feed him. He has no equal, has no partner. أَنَا أَغْنَى شُرَكَا عَنِ الشِّرْكِ I am the one that is in least need of a partner. فَمَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا أَشْرَكَ فِيهِ مَعِ غَيْرِ تَرَقْتُهُ وَشْرَكَهُ That whoever does a deed and associates a partner in that deed with me, then I will abandon him and his shirk. I will abandon him and his associating a partner with me in that deed. Everybody understand that? Some mistakes are bigger than others or greater than others or worse than others, not because of what we did, but because of what we didn't do. So a couple of khutbas ago, we were talking about the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Malik, the king, the one who has the authority, the sovereignty, the authority to legislate for his creation, what he wills, how he wills, when he wills, as not to be questioned about what he does, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Malik, he's the king, he's Al-Malik, the king, he's Malikul Muluk, the king of all kings. Al Malik, the king. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being the king in our lives shows us that we go to him first for everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously, the king is the one who gets things done. The king is the one who holds the keys to all of the opportunities that we seek. He holds the key to everything. As Allah says in the Quran, لَهُ مَقَالِدُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ To him belongs the keys of the heavens and earth. He is Al-Malik. He is the king. And we go to him first for everything that we need. 
I want to go back to the story of Yusuf السلام, and a mistake that he made when he was in prison. A mistake that we read in this story that Yusuf السلام, had to deal with the consequences of that mistake. It wasn't so much what he did, it's what he didn't do in that moment. And I want us to ponder on that mistake for a second and think about our lives and how many times we've made that same mistake in our lives. Ponder and reflect on that mistake and how many times we've made that mistake in our lives. When Yusuf went to prison, right, he was falsely accused of trying to seduce the wife of the Aziz, when in fact it was the wife of the Aziz that tried to seduce him. Right? Trying to seduce, he's he was accused simply because the Aziz, when he walked in the room and he found his wife in there with Yusuf, the embarrassment that was associated with that, they decided to punish Yusuf, obviously, because he was a servant, servant boy, it's easier to punish him the same way they do in our society today. It's easier to throw the book at a young black kid for the pettiest of crimes. It's easy to go find any random black kid that they find on the streets and accuse him of a crime that was committed by someone else just to say face, just to say, hey, we found somebody who did it, we arrested someone, we held him accountable, case closed, right? The same way. The same thing that goes on in our society today, right? The Central Park Five. A white woman was raped, white woman was, right? So now we have to hold somebody accountable. So we go to Central Park, we find five black boys who had nothing to do with that, we arrest them, we plaster their face all over the news. They spend decades in prison only to come home uh, after being found not guilty decades later, right? Because we needed, at the time, we needed to let the world know that we are the standard bearers of justice. So we found some random black kids, we held them accountable for a crime that was done by somebody else to say that, hey, case is closed, we found who did it. They did the same thing to Yusuf. High society, that's how they function. Somebody has to take the fall for it, right? So the Aziz walks into the room. He finds his wife in the room with Yusuf. He realizes that his wife is the one that is guilty. When they looked at the back, they look at Yusuf's shirt. Yusuf's shirt, they said if his shirt was torn from the front, then Yusuf was the one who initiated the seduction. But if his shirt was torn from the back, then his wife was the one who initiated the seduction because that meant that Yusuf was running away and she grabbed him from the back and tore his shirt from the back. When they look and they saw that his shirt was torn from the back, he realized that his wife was the one who was guilty. However, he's not going to go in front of high society and embarrass himself and embarrass his wife who was from high society and how would it look that she was trying to seduce her maid servant? How would that look? Right? So they imprison Yusuf. They imprison Yusuf. Right? She she said to Yusuf, if you do not do what I command you to do when he brought when she brought Yusuf out in front of the woman, they she organized the banquet, right? She organized a banquet 
She brought all of these women from high society around. She called Yusuf out as handsome as he was. And when the women saw Yusuf, they began cutting their hands because of how beautiful he was. And then she finally says, yeah, I was the one who tried to seduce him. And if he doesn't do what I want him to do, that he's going to be put in prison. And he will be from a, the lowly and debased of society forever. And Yusuf, in that moment, he calls out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He did everything right up to that point. Right? He said, oh my Lord, prison is more dear to me than what they are calling me to. And if you do not re remove their plotting and their scheming from me, then I might incline towards that. How much can I resist? How much can how much can I endure? How much can I resist? If you don't intervene in this moment, then I'm I'm going to be from amongst the ignorant. I'm going to do something ignorant. So they saw fit to put Yusuf in prison. He's innocent. They put him in prison. Two men enter into the prison along with Yusuf. Two men, two young boys were also put into prison who used to work for the king, right? Used to work for the king of Egypt. They were put into prison in a, in a, in a failed plot to try to kill the king. One was a baker uh, and the other one used to pour wine for the king, both of whom were charged with trying to kill the king. They were put into prison along with Yusuf. Yusuf goes on to, you know, just uh, establish a relationship with these two. They come to Yusuf. They ask him to interpret their dream for them. Yusuf interprets their dream. He said, He said, as for one of you, you're going to Return back to the king to pour wine for the king. Yes, As for one of you, you are going to be released and you are going to go return back to your position of you know pouring wine for the king. That's the fate of one of you. As for the other one, not so not so fortunate, right? You are going to be hung and birds are going to eat bread from your head, meaning you are going to be killed. They're going to kill you right here in the prison. That's the fate. They asked for Yusuf to interpret their dream. One of them said he saw himself in a dream carrying bread on his head. The other one saw in a dream that he was pouring wine for the king. Yusuf interpreted that, that as for one of you, you are going to be released. You're going to go back out into the kingdom. You're going to go back and return to pouring wine for the king. As for the other one, not so fortunate. You are going to be hung, my man. You're going to be hung. Then Yusuf makes the mistake. What did he do? Go back to the first thing that I said. Some mistakes are worse than others, not because of what we did, but because of what we didn't do. Because of what we didn't do. So Yusuf says to the one that was going to go back out into society, Go back to pour wine for the king. Yusuf saw an opportunity. Pay attention, follow. Yusuf saw an opportunity in that moment. Maybe I could get this guy 
to ask the king to look into my situation because I'm innocent. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve to be here, right? Any of us ever felt oppressed? You felt that in that moment, you didn't deserve this situation. You didn't deserve to be put in this situation. What did I do to deserve this? And he says to the guy that is going to be released, and he goes and he says to the guy that is going to be released, he saw an opportunity in that moment. This is human weakness. Human weakness. He says to the guy that is going to be released, mention my situation to the king. When you leave and you go back to the kingdom and you go back to pour wine for the king, Mention me to the king. And in that moment, Yusuf made the fatal mistake. The fatal mistake of appealing to the king of Egypt, but not appealing to the king of the world. Appealing to the king of Egypt, who only has his kingdom is limited. Anybody, I don't care how rich you are, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care how intelligent you are, all of your riches, all of your wealth, all of your resources, there's a cap on all of that. There are limitations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no limitations. There's nothing that renders Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala incapable, whether in the heavens or in the earth. Nothing. There's no cap on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's resources. You understand? The Prophet said that if everyone created from the beginning of creation to the end of creation, from amongst the human beings and the jinn and the animals and the angels and everything were to be put into one place and everyone was to raise their hands and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what they wanted and Allah was to give everyone what they asked, it would not diminish, it would not subtract from the kingdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, would not subtract from the resources of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as a needle if it was dipped into the ocean. You go out into the ocean and you dip a needle into the water. That little drop of water that's on the tip of the pit of the needle, that is what would be decreased from the dominion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if he was to give everyone what they asked for. You understand? Why in the world would you go to a king with all of the riches and the opulence and the wealth that they possess, but it's still limited? It's still limited. Why would you go to a king instead of going to the king, al-Malik, al-Malik, Malik al-Muluk, al-Malik, why would you go to a king instead of going to the king? The simple mistake that Yusuf made. Not so much what he did, what he didn't do. What he didn't do was go to the king first, the king, al-Malik, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah, what is he? What did I mention in the hadith? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, What? I am the one that is in least need of a partner. I am least in need of a partner. So whoever does a deed 
and associates a partner with me in that deed, I will abandon him and his shirk. That's not saying that Yusuf committed shirk. But what Yusuf did was he went to the king in the world instead of the king of all the worlds. Maliki Yomiddin. You understand? We are reminded of that every single time we open our salah. Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Maliki Yomiddin. We are reminded of that, of every every single salah. Maliki Yomiddin, the king of the day of judgment. And if he's the king of the day of judgment, then he's the king in this, the, the king of this world as well. Because the day of judgment is the everlasting, the, inter, the eternal. And if he's the king of the eternal, then he is the king of the temporary, obviously, without saying. That goes without saying. But Yusuf made the mistake not in so much what he did, but what he didn't do. He didn't go to the king first. He went and he pleaded, mention me to the king. And he overlooked the king, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many times have we made that mistake in our lives? How many times have we made, many times, and then we wonder why whatever endeavor we were, you know, embarking upon crumbled beneath our feet because you gave too much to the creation. You gave too much to the creation, taking away from the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Taking away from the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what does Allah do? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the situation to crumble right beneath your feet. Not so much what you did, but what you didn't do. Not so much what you did, but what you what you didn't do. How many times have we put our trust in the creation, totally forgetting that our trust should be in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost? Allah says in the Quran, and put your trust in Al Hay, the ever living, the one who never dies. Here again, you put your trust in a human being whose resources are limited and not your trust in God whose resources are unlimited. If Allah says, put your trust in the one who never, who is ever living and never dies, that means that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ever living, never dies, then that means that his resources are along with him are eternal. His resources are eternal. And the human being who's eventually going to die, then that means that his resources are limited. And put your trust in the ever living, the one that never dies. If he never dies and he is ever living, then that means that the resources that are in his hands, subhanahu wa ta'ala, are unlimited. And the resources that are in the hands of the human being, he is on borrowed time, borrowed resources. How many times have we put our trust in somebody and in that moment we should have trusted God? And then when that person burns you, then we say, oh, I have trust issues because you keep trusting the wrong one. You keep trusting the wrong one. 
Many of us right now have trust issues simply because we trust the wrong one. <laughs> you put your trust in a human being who is destined to fail you at some point in your life. Destined. The relationship between a father and a daughter at the beginning of the daughter's life, so innocent, so pure. But what that daughter doesn't realize is that her father is a human being. And at some point, her father is going to disappoint her. In the woman's eyes, in the girl's eyes, her father is larger than life. I look at my relationship with my own daughter. I am larger than life in the eyes of my daughter. But what my daughter doesn't realize in her own innocence is that as a human being, at some point in her life, I am going to disappoint her. And when that happens, I fall from her eyes, meaning she begins to see me without the blinders on. She begins to see me as the human being that I am, <laughs> that I am going to fail you. I am going to disappoint you. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never disappoint. And this is why it's important for us to establish or to nurture that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while constantly putting ourselves in a position to let the people under our auspices know that I'm human, I'm going to make mistakes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never makes mistakes. Understand, God doesn't make mistakes. I do. And I'm going to make many. I'm going to make many mistakes. I'm going to disappoint you many times over. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I promise you, will never let you down. What did Prophet Zakaria say in his dua? وَلَمْ أَكُنْ بِدُعَائِكَ رَبِّ شَقِيَّ And oh my Lord, in my supplication to you, you have never let me down. You have never failed me. You have never failed me. As parents, we make tons of mistakes. But our children, unfortunately, we want them to see us in the best light. Your best course recourse as a parent is to begin when they are small, to nurture them to understand that Allah will never fail you. I as your father, I as your mother, I am going to fail you at some point. I know you see me to be larger than life, but I need you to take the blinders off and see me as the human being that I am. You understand? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never fail you. Put your trust in the one that is ever living that will never die. Don't put your trust in the one that is not ever living and will eventually die. My, my resources are limited. SubhanAllah. So it wasn't so much what... Um, it wasn't so much what Yusuf did, it's what he didn't do. It's what he didn't do. And the consequence of that. And he said to the one who he thought, who he knew was leaving out of the prison, mention me to your Lord, mention me to the king. So he can look into my situation and see that I'm innocent and get me out of this situation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you're innocent. 
Allah sees your situation. He is the all-hearer, the all-seer. You understand? He is the all-seer, the all-hearer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees your situation. You scrambling, trying to get somebody else to see your worth, trying to get somebody else to see your value, trying to get somebody else to see that you're innocent, trying to get somebody else to see, you know. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees all of that. Allah knows that you're innocent. Allah knows, Allah sees the oppression. Allah says in the Quran, فَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُ الظَّالِمُونَ do not think that Allah is unaware of what those who are oppressive are doing. Don't think that he is unaware. Don't think that Allah is unaware of what those who are given to oppression, don't think that he is unaware of what they do. Allah sees everything. Allah knows the situation. Allah knows that you're oppressed. But perhaps that situation is good for you. Perhaps you may hate a thing and in it is an abundance of good for you. Allah doesn't make any mistakes. If you believe it, if you believe that, if you believe that Allah doesn't, that God doesn't make any mistakes, then why are you fretting? Why are you complaining? Why are you wiggling your way out instead of sitting in that discomfort, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give you more than you can handle, knowing that Allah is al-Hakim, he is wise in every decision that he makes, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes no mistakes. You are where you are right now in your life because that's exactly where God wants you to be. You understand? You steadily, you steady trying to wiggle your way out of that situation. Sit in your discomfort. Sit in that space. Because perhaps there's something in that, there's a lesson in that that you need to learn. But you go and rely on another human being to get you up out of that situation. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I can give you many examples. But one of the things that we do that are similar to this situation, you guys might not be ready to hear this. But unfortunately, I don't know how much time I have left on this earth, so I don't have time to sit through and sift through your feelings and be, you know, I don't have time to do that. Excuse me later. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying right now. Ex make excuses for me later. He intended well. He meant good. He didn't mean it like that. Make excuses for me later. Understand what I'm saying right now. Some of us, when we get divorced, right, when we get out of a relationship, Get out of a marriage, get out of a relationship for those that are listening that are not Muslim because it applies to them as well. We get out of a situation, we're uncomfortable. Don't you know that when you go through a divorce, you go through the seven stages of grief? Make no mistake about it. There's the shock of it all. There's the denial. There is the, you know, the the, the the denial that it happened, the shock of it all, the, you know, all of the different stages of grief. We go through those same stages when we experience divorce. I promise you. Until eventually the last stage is that we learn how to live life without that person in our lives anymore. That's the last stage of, of grief is acceptance. You learn how to just accept the situation for what it is, and you learn how to live your life without that person being in your life anymore. When we look at the seven stages of grief, we usually apply it to death. But a divorce is a death in itself. It's a death to a relationship. 
It's a death to a connection between you and another human being. It's, it's another form of death. It's not a physical death. It's an emotional death. So you go through the same stages that you go through when you are experiencing grief from the loss of a loved one, the same exact stages. And subhanAllah, in that moment, in that moment, you, you're sitting in a place of discomfort. And you want to get out of that place of, to, of discomfort. So much like Yusuf, who says to the guy who's leaving the prison, mention me to the king so I can get out of this situation. We go and we go find somebody else, right, to get us out of this situation. We look for a quick fix, instant gratification instead of delayed gratification. We want instant gratification. We go find the next best thing to get us out of this situation. I need to feel better about myself. I need to feel valid. This person, this man left me, especially for women, this man left me. He didn't see my worth. He didn't see my value. So I'm gonna go find me a man that sees my worth and sees my value so that I can show this man that I actually matter. But what you don't realize what you're doing what you don't realize is what you're doing is that you in that moment put your trust in another human being to get you out of a situation that God put you in. You helped usher in that situation, but ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in full control of your situation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in full control of your situation. If you think he's not, you are sadly mistaken. If you think he's not, you are sadly mistaken. You do exactly what Yusuf did in that moment. Yusuf sitting in prison, discomforted. I didn't do anything. She tried to seduce me. I'm, I'm innocent in this situation. Why am I even here? I didn't do anything. Same thing with brothers when they go to prison and you're innocent and you cop a plea. Public defender come to you and say, hey, plead out. You can, you know, if you take it to trial, you're going to get 25 years or you can, you know, you can plead guilty and, you know, we'll send you home on home arrest. You want to go home. So you plead guilty. Yeah, I did it. Even though you know you didn't do it. How do you live with yourself? Even though you know you didn't do it, but you want immediately. You want immediate gratification. You want out of that situation immediately. You plead guilty to something that you know you damn sure didn't do. Yeah, I did it. And you take the guilty plea, a slap of a, a, a felony on your jacket, off you go. You can go home because we got the felony. That's all we needed. And that felony discredits you from so many things in your life that you will regret that you did that. You will regret that you did that. You might go to jail. They might find you guilty. You might come back on a plea bargain. You might, I mean, you might come back on an appeal and beat your case. You had to sit for five years. You had to sit for 10 years, but you came back and, and, and you gave it all back. <laughs> now you can't get the time that you spent in prison back. You can't get that back. But all of the lessons that you learned along the way, you also, you also won in that situation as well. How many men went to prison and got their PhDs? got master's degrees, got bachelor's degrees, got high school diplomas while they were in prison. <laughs> Subhanallah and, and 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 the greatest of all of that is that you know in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you were innocent and that you put your trust in him and you allowed him to dictate the path for you.
If this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees fit for me, then this is what it is. You understand? Now I'm not pleading guilty. Take your guilty plea and do you know what with it. I'm not pleading guilty. I'm, I'm good. It is what it is. I'll sit here in this situation. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw fit for me. And that's what, the. it's not what you did is what you didn't do. He didn't rely on the king. He put his trust in the king, in a king, and not the trust in the king. And so what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? فَأَنْسَاهُ الشَّيْطَانَ ذِكْرَ رَبِّهِ فَلَبِثَ فِي بِضْعِ فَلَبِثَ فِي السِّجِنْ بِضْعَ سِنِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Yusuf said, he reminded the guy leaving, mentioned me to the king. And Allah says, فَأَنْسَاهُ الشَّيْطَانَ Shaytan caused the man to forget. He never even mentioned Yusuf to the king. He forgot. <laughs> he forgot. He forgot. He never even mentioned Yusuf because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed shaitan to intervene in that moment. Shaitan caused the man to forget. This shows you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power to hold shaitan back from intervening in your situation. And perhaps because of the mistake that you made, Allah removes his protection from you and allows shaitan to intervene in your situation, making your situation hella worse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power to hold shaitan back from intervening in your situation. Allah has the power. The king has the power to do that. Allah allowed shaitan, remove his protection from him in that moment, allow shaitan to intervene. Shaitan caused the man to forget. Shaitan's job is to create as much confusion as much darkness create as much anxiety create as much fear in our lives as he possibly can so he inter allowed shaitan to intervene in that situation causing the man forget and yusuf ended up staying in prison for seven more years cost him seven more years subhanallah costed yusuf seven more years that one mistake Many of us marrying somebody else without trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cost us another seven years of our lives. Because now you go into a marriage with another individual trying to make up for what you lost with the past individual, with the previous individual, and then you end up losing another seven years, eight years, 10 years, and God forbid there's two or three more children born out of that situation. And the cycle continues. When do we continue? When do we break the cycle? How many years have we lost with people? How many years have we lost with people? Yusuf lost another seven years. He was in prison for, for two years prior to that. And then he lost another seven years. Nine years he spent in prison in total because there was a lesson that he needed to learn in that situation. And that was you don't trust human beings, trust God first. Why can't we understand that? Trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He lost nine years. Two years he was in prison. And then he made this mistake. And then he stayed in prison for another seven years. Subhanallah. 
How many years have we lost in marriages with people that we knew from the very beginning it wasn't going to last, but we couldn't handle sitting in the discomfort of being divorced? Couldn't handle that. We had to be married even though we were not happy, even though we know that the situation with this person was not going to last. From the moment we married them, we knew our intuition was already telling us that this situation is not going to last. But I got to save face in front of the community. I got to save face in front of my friends. I got to save face in front of my family. I got to let everybody know that I can actually handle marriage. I got to let everybody know that I can actually stay married, even if I'm miserable. Even if I'm miserable. But I got to let everybody know that I'm married. MashaAllah to that. At what expense? You lost another six years, seven years, eight years, two or three children born out of that situation, and you knew damn well from the very beginning upon marrying the individual that it wasn't going to last. But you were trusting in something else instead of trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your mistake was not what you did, it's what you didn't do. Your mistake is not what you did, it's what you didn't do. And the same goes for the brothers. Your mistake is not what you did, it's what you didn't do. SubhanAllah. So Yusuf stayed in prison for seven more years. And within that seven years, he learned a valuable lesson. He learned to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. He learned to put his trust in the king first. He learned to put al-awwalu awwal. He learned to put Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-awwal, the first, laysa qablahu shay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-awwal. He is the first. Nothing comes before him. You understand? This is from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Huwa al-awwalu laysa qablahu shay. He is the first, there's none before him. And he is the last, there's none after him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the first, nothing before him. You understand? He is al-akbar, nothing greater than him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is akbar. Nothing greater than him. Who will awwal? Who is the first? There's nothing before him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who will zahir? Who will ali? He is the highest. There's nothing higher than him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who will a'la? He is the highest. Nothing above him. Who will awwal? He is the first. Nothing before him. He is al malik. He is the king. There's no one that supersedes him. This this is Tawheed. This is Tawheed. The broader spectrum of Tawheed, this is Tawheed. Sometimes mistakes are worse than others, not because of what we did, but because of what we didn't do. Brothers and sisters, take a lesson from this. Don't make the mistake that Yusuf made. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala captured that mistake in the Quran. As Allah says in the Quran, لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبْرَةٌ لِأُولِ الْأَلْبَابِ That in their stories, there are lessons for men of understanding. 
men of high intellect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put this in the Quran for us to read over and over and over and over again. Put Yusuf's mistake on Front Street and his you know, final revelation that is to be read by millions and millions and millions of Muslims every day so that we can take a lesson from it. Don't make the same mistake. The scholars, they say, that the Sa'id, the successful, the successful person is the person who learns from other people's mistakes. The wretched person is the person who continues to learn from his own mistakes. You don't have to learn from your own mistakes. You can learn from the mistakes of others. Don't put anybody in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That doesn't mean that we don't turn to the creation for help, but we go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. We go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. Allah is the first, none comes before him. Allah is the first, none comes before him. He is Al-Malik, he is the king, no one above him. No one above him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Internalize these lessons. Subhanallah. And uh, inshallah, we'll talk a little bit more about this concept that the mistakes, some mistakes are worse than other, not because of what we do, but because of what we didn't do. And in that moment, Yusuf learned a valuable lesson because when the guy finally, right, when the guy finally remembered Yusuf, when the king had the dream, right? The king had a dream years later, almost 10 years later, the king had a dream and the guy pouring the king for the wine remembered Yusuf in prison, subhanAllah, years later. This is how you know Allah is in control of your situation. Years later, almost a decade later, the king has a dream. He sees in a dream seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, and seven ears of corn to the end of the dream, right? And then the king pleads with everyone in his court, who knows how to interpret dreams? I need to know what this dream means. And the guy pouring wine for the king remembers Yusuf in that moment. Oh, I was in prison with a guy who knew how to interpret dreams. Almost a decade later. The king, the, the king sends the guy to the prison to go speak with Yusuf. And Yusuf interprets the dream. The guy goes back to the king, gives him the interpretation of his dream. The king is so amazed at the interpretation. He goes to the prison himself to meet Yusuf. Gotta meet this guy for myself. The king offers to release Yusuf from prison and place him next to him. Yusuf says no. Nah, -uh. I don't want to leave yet. Go find out what's up with those women and the lie that they told on me 10 years ago. All right? No, nah, I'm not leaving prison. I'm not leaving. Go find out the deal. What's the deal? with the women who lied on me. He's now concerned about his honor because it's not about leaving prison here again. To have everything without honor is to have nothing. 
To have everything without honor is to have nothing. What sense would it be for him to leave out of prison and that still dangling over his head? Nah, man. Go find out what's up with these women and the lie that they told on me and they put me in prison. Go straighten that situation out first. Then I'll leave prison. I'll leave prison with dignity. I'll leave prison with honor. To have everything without honor is to have nothing. He could have left out of prison, but he would have left out of prison the same way he entered, debased, humiliated, and from the lowest of the low. Even if the king puts him on the side of the king, the rest of society still sees him as the man who tried to seduce the wife of the Aziz. You understand? It makes no difference. Some people think, oh, because I'm sitting next to the imam or I'm sitting next to this person or I'm following around with this person. Yeah, but the rest of society still knows you to be a different way. It doesn't matter what your seating is next to the person that is, you know, the guy or the or the woman. It doesn't matter what your position is next to them. What is your position in the eyes of the people? How do the people see you? If you can't hold your head up with dignity in front of the people, it doesn't matter sitting next to the king, sitting next to this person, that person, you are still the same lowly individual in the eyes of the people. It doesn't matter. Some people clean they act up and they get hang around this imam or this student of knowledge or this person or that person. Yeah, but people still know you to what's up with your situation from before. Doesn't matter who you hang around, people still see you as the same lowly individual that you were beforehand. Hanging around the imam or hanging around a student of knowledge or hanging around a sheikh, that doesn't repair your reputation in the eyes of the people. It doesn't repair your reputation in the eyes of the people. And some people don't care about that. Some people don't care about that. Oh, I'm I'm with the sheikh, or I'm with the imam. You see, you see the imam, you see me. You with the sheikh, I'm you. I'm you see me with the sheikh. So now nah, it's like, nah, but you still you're still the same person. Like we don't care about that. That means absolutely nothing. Yusuf didn't care about that. The sheikh said the the king said I'm gonna put you on a throne next to me. Yusuf said no. Go find out what these women said about me. The lie that was told on me. He wants his reputation restored. Because to have everything without honor is to have nothing. And he understood that. That was the lesson that it took him seven years to learn. And the lesson here is that he put his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not in human beings. He got the lesson. <laughs> the king is ready to let him out of prison. He's telling the king, no, I don't want to go. Go find out what happened with my situation. Restore my honor first then I'll leave prison with dignity. You understand? So it was a delayed gratification. The first time when he said to the guy leaving, mention me to the king, that was instant gratification. The king comes to let him out of the prison and he says, no, I don't wanna leave until you go and straighten my situation out. Delayed gratification. You understand? That's what paradise is all about. Going to Jannah, having our Jannah in the hereafter is called delayed gratification. While some people have their Jannah here on earth, 
Some Muslims believe that they're going to have their cake and eat it too. They're going to have Jannah on earth and they're going to have Jannah in the hereafter. They drink, they smoke, they party, sleep around, they do them, do them. No salat, no fast, no pray, no prayer, no fasting, no nothing. Nothing. I'm still Muslim. God is in my heart. Nobody knows, you know, whether I, I fear Allah or not. MashaAllah. You're going to have your cake and eat it too. Meanwhile, you have Muslims here on earth who get up at the third of the night and pray, who stay away from the haram, who live their entire lives on obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you think Allah is going to give you what he's going to give them? You think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to treat you like he treats them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do you think that we're going to treat those who submit to me wholeheartedly equally with those who are disobedient to me? What is wrong with you and how you judge? Do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to deal with you the same? Absolutely not. Those who got up in the third of the night and prayed, begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness, those who fasted, those who prayed five times a day and more, those who read the Quran, those who stayed away from what is haram, those who honored what was halal, they honored what was halal, stayed away from what was haram. Meanwhile, you over here doing you, and you think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to deal with you guys the same? You're going to have your jannah here and your jannah there? La wallahi. You get your instant gratification here, you have your eternal punishment there. You have delayed gratification here, and you have success there. You can delay your gratification. You think many of us don't want to get high. Many of us don't want to drink. Many of us don't want to party. Many of us don't want to have you know, relationships with people without any boundaries, without any attachments. You don't think that people who are obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want to do that? There's, there's some of us who we enjoyed that. But we have now reached a point in our lives where we refrain from that. Because we are delaying our gratification into the hereafter. So we look at you doing you saying, I, I would love to do that, but I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I'm willing to make the sacrifice for the king. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. You give in to all of your desires you have in your agenda right now. You have in your paradise right now. I'll delay my gratification for later. And even if it doesn't come later, I mean, just without arguing that at that point, even if it doesn't come later, right? At least I protected myself from falling victim to the things that people who give in to their desires have become addicted to. You're addicted to drugs. You're addicted to you know satisfying your your instant gratification. You have no control, no self discipline nothing nothing and you are the poster child for what i don't want to be exactly it was worth it i'm not I, it's a win-win situation for me anyway a win-win never forget that brothers and sisters never forget that man don't ever look at those who are out in the world enjoying themselves and you say to yourself you know, I, I, I wish I could do that. I, I, I could step out there for a little bit and then come back to Islam. La wallahi, man. Delay your gratification for later. You get it later, I promise you. Everything that everybody is enjoying in this life, which has, you know, which is temporary, which is temporary, 
temporary enjoyment, <laughs> instant gratification, everything that everybody has right now, you will have that in paradise. You will have that in more in paradise. You will have that in more. You guys have been great. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. Enjoy your day. Hopefully what we mention is sufficient. Jazakumullahu khairan wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira wa subhanaka rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.